At the signal, time will be out of joint. Hello, 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 and welcome to Weird Signal, a podcast dedicated to all things eerie, weird, and hauntological. I'm Sean, and I'm here with Lucy. Hello. If Finally I, fucking did it. Yeah, if, if I sound a little bit vacant or, or haggard, it's because this is our... <laughs> Angry, viscerally. <laughs> this is our what, third attempt at the intro in the space of about five minutes, so hopefully, hopefully, it will all be smooth sailing from here on out. So, oh my god. Lucy, yeah. Like we- a song by that band, Queens of the Stone Age, <laughs> that had I thought to cover that album, I might have actually done, but... Ah! I make brief mention of an album by them, in fact, uh, later on. What? If, ah, but then you may but, be wondering why? why Lucy's talking about music. Why would we be talking first... about music on our film podcast, Lucy? <laughs> because we're doing a music episode, John. We, we are? Uh, yeah, we discussed this. <laughs> Well, well, by yeah. wonderful coincidence, I actually prepared extensive notes about two albums I think sum up various kinds of fucked America vibe. Uh, yeah, so, so have I. I was trying for three, as for you, but then we couldn't really think of things. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we can we can go into, like, apologies for why that is later. Uh, uh, for why the episode was, like, struggling to make half an hour. <laughs> but anyway. Well, okay, so um, what are we talking about, Lucy? Lucy, tell the people yeah. at home what are we talking right. about. Bit of background, yeah. Okay, so basically I was, like, thinking about music. And I was like, hey, so we've been... I don't know, I guess, like, no, 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 that was it. Basically, I was, like, doing some research for, like, a hypothetical next episode, which is, it's always in the works, uh, to, in some sense. Um, but basically, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's like, so much of the things that came up when I was trying to research around particular themes focused not on film, or indeed literature, or art, but on music. Uh, like, yeah, I can't remember what now, but I was like, hey, what if we do a music episode? Since, like, so much of, like the concept of, like, what this season, this whole, like, con- you know, this idea of fucked Americana means to us is heavily, heavily tied into music. Um, and, like, yeah, and, like, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's not so much a narrative as a vibe from which forms a narrative and uh, a way of conceiving of a thing. Plus, it's like, yeah, we I think we've mentioned, like, music a bit, in some of these, well, I don't know, we, we had that thing of, like, the official soundtrack of uh, Weird Signal Season 4, or whatever we're on, being the Marionette 8 song that they use in that wonderful, janky montage in that wonderful, janky film, uh, Last Broadcast. So, yeah, so we were like, oh, well, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good idea for an episode, so here we are doing that. Yeah, so we uh, have both, we've, we we have picked two albums that we are going to be talking about. We were going to do three, but that turned out to be too hard. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so Lucy, you're you're going first, and uh, something we're going to be doing, and you might want to do this at home, listener, is um, before we talk about each album, we Lucy and I are going to listen to a song from that album in Tamden, and uh, just to get into just to get into the groove with it. So. Uh, Lucy, if you want to name the album you're talking about and the song, and then the song we're going to listen to, so listeners might want to pause okay, pause um, the episode and listen to that song as well, and then come back. And you have to come back, otherwise you're. Okay, well, I was also just gonna like play the song 
in the I'm podcast. I'm not sure we can do like, that if we put this on Spotify, though. I think they've got things that will detect excerpt. it. Let's Desert Island Discs this fucker. Yeah, but also, um, like, but the listeners might want to listen to the whole song. Okay, well, that whole song is by from a whole album by a whole ass band, at least for part, some of their career, which was uh, White Zombie, uh, which is the band you may know of Rob Zombie. Um, oh, the Boston uh, Zombies, yes. The Boston Zombies, yes. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, White Zombie, uh, their second to last album, studio album. I can't remember how many they had before. It's one of those kind of like odd melanges of lots of EPs and things. I think it was like their second uh but yeah that album is la sexo sisto devil music volume one uh there was not a volume two um yet uh that would be cool uh yeah and the song we're gonna be listening to is uh well it's the it's the it's the hit it's the big one besides uh besides the other big one uh which is black sunshine feet icky pop right we're going we're going Black Sunshine. Black Sunshine. I have subtitles on as well. Let's leave them on. Oh, the guitars, they they sound sound like a car. And look at the video, there's cars. Yeah, yeah. Well, this song happens to be about, dare I say, a car. But not just any car. So I've never seen this music video actually. So this is this is exciting. Got some bass, got some bass. Ooh, and we got some drums and a typewriter. Gripping the wheel is knuckles with white with desire. The wheels of his Mustang exploded higher like a slug from a forty-five. True death. 400 horsepower maximum performance piercing the night. This is Black Sunshine. Glorious, like, kind of. It's a bit, dare I say, Tetsuo. The fact that it's really low budget and there's cars. It reminds me of the uh, music video to um, Just One Hit, the Ministry song. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like of that era. Yeah. I I bet if we looked it up, we'd probably have the same director. Well, that was the. No, the. the No, sorry. um, Just One Hit was directed by Pete Christopherson of Coil. Hear you, I'm listening to White Zombie. Yeah, 
gig vision. Fuck, to a spin that. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always fun kind of going back to this album and being like, wow, yeah, so much of the music I listened to when I was like 14 years old um, has just like consistent like women either like fucking or dying sounds just <laughs> superimposed over it. Like, and that's not just on that track. That is throughout the album. Uh, that's just like a constant chorus of, ah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, that's the whole thing. So yeah, as you may may guess, this one opening up on something that's a fairly kind of personal one for me, because uh, I bought this album when I was, yeah, probably about 13, 14, and uh, became my whole thing for a long time. Um, and yeah, God, what is there to say about this album? Well, Sean, what did you think of that? I enjoyed it. I, I don't yeah. actually... I have, I've obviously I've listened to Rob Zombie, but I don't actually know his oeuvre as 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 well uh, or as intimately as I should. Seeing that I am a fan of like nineties industrial rock, uh, I more I more know like um hillbilly deluxe um hellbilly deluxe rather uh, era. Mm-hmm. My my hand on Twitter for a while was hellbilly deluxe, um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I and I actually I did I did listen to this earlier today actually, but I couldn't go for the whole album because it was interfering with me focusing on my work uh so and yeah this was I like can imagine it- like unless you are like iggy pop typing freak out poetry in a basement <laughs> uh you know as for a job which this would be this would be a suboptimal. Which regrettably I was I am I, yeah. that is not my job. What well, I was wondering actually was because because um something I don't know how much of our ramblings during the video we're going to keep in the podcast, but it does bear a close resemblance to the uh, music video for Just One Hit by oh is it Just One Hit or Just One Fix? It's Just One Fix I think by yeah. Ministry the music the music video which features. Uh, William Burroughs in it, actually a very old William Burroughs in it with a shotgun and directed by Pete Sleazy Christopherson of Coil and there was something about the you know, Iggy Pop hammering away of a typewriter with that level of intensity that was very reminiscent of Burroughs for me so I'm wondering, I'm wondering what order those videos came out in actually uh... Um, Yeah, that was actually like something, one of the more kind of like thematic elements I wanted to touch on in fact, uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, I guess like I don't know, I should keep some semblance of the 
some semblance of my notes. Just like, yeah. So, bit of background, like, who are white zombie? Um, so yeah, as we as I mentioned up front, this is Rob Zombie's band. And um, this is kind of like, so yeah, you mentioned, you actually like refer to them as kind of like an industrial rock, like 90s industrial rock band. Uh, that's kind of weirdly seems to be like kind of the main thing they're remembered for, even though it's technically only their last album and last two releases that were really kind of in that vein. Because uh, this was like, this was, I don't know, I would describe, well, I mean, this is, this is groove metal. Uh, it may be kind of like groove metal in like a different, um, in of a different kind of tone and tomp to, um, you know, what later became of the weirdly more kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, yeah, the groove metal of one, what would one would associate with bands like Corn or Nothing Face or the various bands that are in fact like frequent, you know, the 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 bands that are frequently just kind of like clumped together into the new metal kind of thing, even though like no, they're groove metal actually. Um, I, I I I say kind of like sort of weeping Wojak emoji thing. But, uh, face. but yeah, um, this was like I don't know, yeah, I I br- I bring up this kind of like periodization because it's like like their legacy is kind of divided between two things uh one being the kind of like industrial rock era of like the astro creep 2000 album and super sexy swinging sounds the remix thing uh which yeah i can't remember who was who who was responsible for that but like yeah before that um and the era that kind of seems to get brought up most in the kind of cool music press is uh before they, you know, during the kind of, like, pre-make-them-die-slowly uh, era, when they were more of a kind of, like, New York noise rock band, um, where, like, you know, people talk about, like, oh, yeah, you know, they shared a bill with, like, Sonic Youth and White Zo- and uh, and uh, Dinosaur Jr. or some shit like that. And it's, like, yeah, and then, like, everyone's just, like, writes off, you know, the, the people who like that write off the later stuff and the people who... Um, who like the later stuff probably haven't heard most of that because it was really, really difficult to get hold of it for a long time. And like, yeah, the the early kind of punky, noise rocky at, at times kind of, I don't know, similar kind of like musical arc to Alice Cooper, I'd say, in that like they were just they did a lot of shit before they before Rob Zombie found his groove or his mold or his like his thing of just goofy like space robots and nineteen fifties sci fi horror shit with um. With lots of puppets and elaborate stage shows, which you know, like, God bless him, <laughs> like, yeah, just give, 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 yeah. So Rob Zombie is like just an archetypal guy doing what he really wants to do, and fuck the critics, so, fuck all critics and podcasters. So, what uh, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions, Lucy, because because yes. be- bearing in mind that you know this is fuck America vibes or weird America vibes and so on, can you maybe uh, answer answer for me two questions? One. And you can do this in, in, in either order, actually. Uh, firstly, yeah. you said this was very personal to you, and I'd like to know why. I'd like to know why this is an album you feel kind of personal about. And secondly, what is the particular species, the flavour of fucked America or weird America that is embodied by this album? Anyway, well, I guess, like, I can merge those points because what made it personal was me realised... I don't know, it introduced me to... A kind of like 
I don't know, actually, you know, to kind of, like, to answer that, I need to kind of, like, dial back and kind of, like, describe the album, because we heard, like, we heard the, the clip of it, which, you know, is obviously very rich in odd samples, many of them, I think in that one, were taken from, uh, like, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, the stuff about, like, I work on her the same way, trying to get maximum performance, that kind of shit, or, like, various clips from, like, horror films and things, but, like, zooming out of it, like, the entire album, I would actually describe it more as, like, a sort of brain-fucky, like, soundscape of ambient, like, merged-together, um, clip- well, clippings of, like, horror films, sci-fi films, documentaries, like, a surprising amount of manga, um, but, like, I don't know, interspersed with kind of, like, Mexican radio broadcasts, which is also something I want to talk about, but what I- what I got from this album, um, was this real sense of, like, I don't know, everything just kind of blending together into a kind of vibe, into a kind of, like, I don't know, somewhere in the southwest, like, nightscape of just horrible, like, horrible things happening in, like, a kind of ambiguous, like, merging space of just kind of, like, underworld America but it's all kind of like hyper mediated and it's blending very kind of kitschy stuff with genuinely dark stuff and there's also a kind of like odd like gothic to it and and a gothic in a way that I would also like argue is distinctly American because it's like you know how like voodoo and I believe some other kind of like variations of like kind of popular religion in Mexico and things are combinations of kind of like folk beliefs mm. with a very kind of like intense kind of Catholicism. So you get that yes. very strange tension between stuff that's like, you know, apocalyptic, um, very kind of providential old school religion of the Catholic branch, but then made incredibly groovy and strange and colourful. And, you know, I say colourful in the sense that, you know, it's like, in terms of like, you know, eclectic. Um, and I feel that, like, it's almost doing a kind of, like, a very sincere, like, Americanization or, like, an importing of that principle. And, you know, well, wholesale borrowing a lot of those aesthetics, but also making its own version of it by superimposing all this kind of, like, horror meets, like, 50s kitsch. And it's kind of, like, I don't know. Um, and what I like about it is, like, it's doing horror it's it's pulling a lot from kind of like b-movie and very kind of cartoonish stuff but it doesn't ever at least on this album feel cartoonish um and like yeah and it's all just it just feels dark and and strange but like what i what i got from that was this sense that like this is a this is a flavor of weird that is unattainable in england like i couldn't like go somewhere like I don't know. I don't feel like I could experience this in my locality. I feel I need to be in a desert or even just a small American town. I just need to know I'm like geographically connected to this, that I could take a funky road trip to this place or something. And like, even though, even though like some of, you know, the stuff they're using is like, is actually like British horror. Like they've got clips from Hellraiser at various points, but it's, yeah, it's that kind of, it forms a weird kind of geography. And there is a lot of kind of like references to space. There's like references to kind of like travel and um, specifically like kind of like the road genre is something embodied in it. I mean, that's the song about a car, but like, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, it, 
the reason I picked it was like it solidified the idea of weird Americana in my mind and uh, for that reason and yeah so that I guess like that answers balances those two questions yeah this um actually just just to build on that point i have the wikipedia um page for uh la, la sexo devil music volume one open yeah. and there's a whole tab of just all of the samples and just to give you an yeah, example yeah. the opening track welcome to planet motherfucker slash psycho psych slag the list of samples are not 25 seconds in the explosion and sound to grounding is taken from 1989 anime Thank you. Legend of the Overfiend. Legend of the Overfiend. One thirty-one. Fucking kiss me is Tori Well. Uh, Tori Wellis sampled from the first scene of True Confessions of Tori Wellis with Tori Wellis and Jerry Butler. One forty-eight. Now let's move, but let's take the back door and the sample right at the end of the song are from the nineteen sixty-five exploitation film Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Two minutes forty seconds in. Oh wow, cool it. And you wanna start a rumble? Is taken from the nineteen fifty-nine, nineteen fifty-eight crime drama film High School Confidential. Four minutes, 14 seconds on. in. Um, do you have to open graves to find girls to fall in love with? It's taken from the 1932 horror film The Mummy. 4.35 seconds. Get Up and Kill is taken from the 1978 zombie film Dawn of the Dead. 5.43. Hula fast shots. Swing with a gassy chick. Turn on to a thousand joys. Smile on what happened. Then check what's going to happen. You'll miss what's happening. Turn your eyes inside and dig the vacuum. Tomorrow drag is Philippa Fallon performing beat poetry of a 1958 film High School Confidential. That's one song. <laughs> yeah, and that's like... God, just... You said you're reeling all that off as well. I kind of like, I felt you know. I don't know if you can see, but I'm actually kind of beaming and feel like I could be, I could cry. Like these, these sounds are just kind of like written on my heart. Like every time you, you know, you use the words, I hear it in my head in the exact way. That's how deeply embedded in my consciousness this whole fucking album is, and like, that's actually you know a thing I mentioned in my notes is the is the fact that like. I obviously I experienced this album long before I encountered pretty much any of the material that it's sampling from. Um, you know, a majority of it, like I, I've just, you know, I've never seen High School Confidential or like, I don't think I've seen Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. But like occasionally, very occasionally, I'll be watching something, uh, you know, give the great example of Rotso Kadoji. Uh, Legend of the Overfiend, even though that's a <laughs> horrific anime, if you want to check it out. Um, yeah, like, basically, I'll just, like, hear, like, a random bit of a thing, or, like, um, yeah, or, like, it'll be something, like, someone posted a clip from, uh, the old, like, the, t- the, the original series episode of Star Trek, uh, where someone says, um, we are one. One is the beginning. Are you one, Herbert? I am not Herbert. I am not Herbert. And like, I that just like that lights up hitherto like forgotten or centuries buried. It feels like neural pathways in my brain, and I'm like, <gasps> and yeah, it's and it keeps happening because there's so much of it. So and it will probably never stop happening. Uh, so yeah, that's like, that's like what this that's what this album does to me or has rendered upon me. Um, yeah. I think, like, there's a couple things, like, I wanted to just, like, kind of drop, like, thematically, and then we should probably move on to the next thing, because, like, we have no idea how how we were going to pace this episode, because we have a good idea of our rhythm when talking about films in terms of how long stuff will take, but, like, this is, this is anyone's guess. Well, well uh, Lucy, yeah. Lucy, 
This is jazz. Yeah. This is jazz. This is jazz. Yeah. It's the it's the points you don't make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the dick uh, jokes you don't make, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the Ah oh, we're done. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, yeah, anyway, anyway. Uh yeah, so let's go a short point then a longer point. Uh so short point. I mentioned the Mexican radio stations, bit of a hat tip to one of the bands we're gonna be talking about in a bit as well. Ooh. Um that actually in my research I learned is a very specific cultural thing. Because it's like I don't know if you've ever have you listened to Songs for the Deaf? Um, the Queens of the Stone Age album? No. Okay, well that's basically does the same thing where it's like there's yeah, actually no, I should I should talk a bit about like, yeah, the fact that this is a there's a kind of weird mediation thing going on in that like part of what you're hearing it's supposed to be like you're listening to this on the radio like there's there's tuning sounds like you're tuning between stations and you're hearing little snippets of stuff and occasionally you'll you'll tune into a thing and it's like a song by white zombie is playing um but it's like it's weird because it's like some of the stuff is like clearly you're meant to be experiencing this but then it's sort of switching mediums and stuff like suddenly it's like kind of like a batman tv serial and then suddenly it's like a poem or something and it's or or it's space you know freak out sounds uh but yeah that's i don't know like what that says but it's a it's the fucking vibe um but yeah think about like the mexican radio stations that's actually that actually comes up a surprising amount and it's like no surprise that they're not the only band to have chosen this as a kind of a bit that they do on an album because like Basically, that was like a kind of cultural archetype. I looked these up. They're called Border Blasters. And they were essentially kind of like um, Mexican radio stations that um, broadcast on like specifically a really, I don't know the technical stuff that well, but it's like supposed to be like a really high wattage. So they would have like a much more powerful broadcast radius than the kind of like the US stations. And because they were, you know, across the border where like, there was, you know, regulation was much more lax. It meant, like, basically, you know, it was effectively pirate radio stations, many of them, or just kind of, you know, they could they could do all sorts of shit. So you would... These, these gained something of kind of a cult significance because they would play way more interesting shit that would be on, than would be on, like, the commercial radio stations locally. And they would be a bit more unhinged. And, like, you'd, you'd understand maybe the music and you'd recognise songs, but you'd sit through a couple of minutes of, like, you know, if you didn't speak Spanish, then you would just get blasted with Spanish, which is a wonderfully lyrical... You know, it's a language made for radio, basically. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever listened to, like like, any, like... UK pirate radio stations. So like there's there's like historic, you know, uh recordings made of it and there's a hell of a lot of pastiches including a very good one by um by Peter Serafinovich which I would uh, which is basically like what if Terry Wogan did a pirate radio station and it's amazing. But anyway, yeah, it's that kind of like really kind of like intense like weirdness to it that made them very popular and cemented them in the public popular consciousness um especially for a lot of gnarly alternative music people uh such as our dear rob zombie uh but yeah the i guess the last thing i was gonna like say about this album is that it has a very interesting relationship to the 1960s um and like it's sort of like yeah, it's sort of, I would I would argue it represents something of like the post-60s malaise, perhaps not in like 
as like specifically critical a dimension as we would place something like Body Snatchers, which was dealing with it very overtly. But what I, I guess like, yeah, the best way to say it's like how I, how I kind of conceived of it is this idea that it's like the 60s was a thing that it stuck around culturally, but it also just was around physically. There were kind of like these remnants of, uh, of a, a very different time and a very different vibe. I guess like, you know, a form of kind of hauntology. Um, but like, but it was just this sense that like, it's all kind of decayed and weird and it's merged with a lot of sinister crap. And also it's like, I will say this, like Charlie Manson plays like a big kind of mental role in a lot of white zombie stuff. I don't know if he's dropped the Charlie Manson shtick now, but like, if you just listen to that, it's like, he's, he's basically doing Charlie Manson in his vocal delivery. He's doing that kind of like, that weird sort of like white guy doing sort of jazz speak kind of thing, you know, it's like, which I feel like is quite, you know, there's an, there's an interesting conversation to be had about that as well as the dreadlocks, but it is very much kind of like, um, leaning into what was a kind of very affected past, like not a past, I guess a pastiche of kind of like a particular kind of blackness that, um, but, done kind of fairly respectably or like I don't know like I'm not sure how it's like how I don't know where I'm going with that but like yeah like uh, Charlie Manson and Jim Jones have uh are noted for having that capacity where they you know they speak in ver in ways that are recognizably kind of uh Afro-American vernacular English inflected um but like maybe like unselfconsciously but yeah like but yeah, that's safe to say, like, yeah, Charlie Manson is a big presence in this. I think he kind of, like, he wanted to try and get Charlie Manson to actually, like, record some of the, um, like, some of the spoken bits. Um, and I think it's actually on the album after this, they use a sample from the 911 call on the night of the Tate-LaBianca murders, which is in taste, not necessarily best taste. Uh, oh, and later, like, uh, Rob Zombie appears with a kind of, like, uh, what looks like an X carved into his forehead, which is, you know, obviously a reference to uh, Char Charlie Manson's, like, carving a swastika into his forehead. But yeah, it's like, it's it's got, like, that idea of, like, really reveling in the fact that the 60s went bad. <laughs> um, and, like, I don't know, I guess, like, aesthetically, the closest thing I can compare it to is, like, have you ever seen The Lost Boys? Um... That is kind of like 90s or like 80s kind of verging on early 90s kind of alt culture. But it's like in a small town and the the 60s are very much still with them. And there's, you know, there's like hippies asleep in the corner in the comic book store. And a very dusty portrait of Jim Morrison in the vampire cave, that kind of shit. Um, Open-ended point, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so... Sure, do you have any... Uh, albums you want to talk about well it's funny it's by, funny yeah it's oh, funny yeah, that yeah, you yeah. should uh but you should be mentioning charles manson because yeah. there was a there was another boy with a surname manson with the unusual first name marilyn and uh i'm yeah. actually okay all right okay i'll, I'll, I'll drop the shtick this because the thing is like the, i i was in really in two minds about talking about marilyn manson because of the numerous very serious allegations of um d domestic physical and sexual abuse that we made against him in the, the last couple of years mm. uh 
however, however, in the same way that um, this album was like a very like formative for you, uh, formative album for you, like so, like Manson stuff was equally formative for me as a teenager. In particular, this isn't the album we're going to be talking about. But in particular, Antichrist Superstar was a really big thing for me when I first heard it. And um, but the I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, Portrait of, the, of an American Family and the EP. Uh, smells like children um, because they should be taken together so the song and I was thinking about which song to go for for us to to watch and I've decided to plunk, go for this one because this is the because of the music video with it this is his um, the cover of Sweet Dreams because uh-huh. the music video for it is where the the look the aesthetic that uh, of like Manson's 90s aesthetic is really like uh, established so um yeah uh yeah so i, I was thinking there's several songs i could i could have picked but i'm gonna pick this one just because of the music video so obviously this is this is uh manson's cover of uh sweet dreams by eurythmics uh so countdown and play on zero okay uh one sec let me just uh are we looking at the uh the one uh ah, great the version that was uploaded 13 years ago uh titled marilyn manson sweet dreams Square brackets are made of this brackets alt version. Is yes. Yes, it yes. is. Amazing. That just oh, watery, really watery nice sound. Slow pace. Yeah. yeah. Very kind of whole-esque. I say, like, like I never really think that much about like the actual composition of these things because there is so much focus on the vocals and things. But like, this is so grunge. Yeah, this it's is... it's this feeling of um, water damage almost. You know, just everything is just being eaten up by mildew, including the people, especially the people in fact. Age of Bevo, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. One thing in particular is the 
and this is something I'll be talking about more, is the kind of warped comedy of it, the kind of carnivalesque delight in just being really fucking weird and nasty. And it's not so much that the video is, like, scary, like it's got horror imagery in it, it's, it's just deeply fucked. It's the thing, it's just deeply, deeply strange and, and, and warped. I'm loving this fucking Super 8 film frame. What year was this, by the way? That's a good question. What year was this? Uh, oh, like, 93, I want to say? I'm wanting to say 93, just based on everything that I've seen. 95. Yeah. <laughs> My, like, take on, like, vocal delivery just Merging between I fucking hate it and actually no, that's really good. Like I, it's kind of like weird falsetto bit is like my favourite. Yeah, no, I I mean I hate to say it, but I love Manson's voice, I really do. I know it's you just, do. This this <laughs> just wailing abrasiveness. Go. Sweet dreams are made of this, and who are we to disagree? Um, aha! Okay, okay, so. Um, Stop that now. Alright, it's quite enough of that. Quite enough of that. So. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, no, we've got to talk about it still. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> yeah, hit me. Okay, so. Um, I decided that I really wanted to bring something to the table with this. I wanted to really, yeah. really like go into like the proper like phenomenological taxonomy of America yeah. vibes right so so yeah, yeah. I've, I've been hitting the books and I've discovered actually the official uh technical latin designations of these different kinds of America vibes right so yeah. portrait of America portrait of an American family slash smells like children is actually an example of what is scientifically known as in Latin, America anal fistula perverta hypocrita. And okay. yeah, you're with me so far. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you can well, laugh. Guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, so Well, you know, they didn't they didn't cover that on the Cambridge Latin course, I'm afraid. No, no, not not America. So like, not no, America anal like, fistula perverta Marilyn hypocrita. Marilyn Madsen is certifiably not in a horto. <laughs> And uh, I think I think uh, I think we're all probably in agreement that Marilyn Manson should be in Carcero. Exactly. Yes. Yes, he ought. Yes, he ought. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So. Okay. So. 
these these two albums, uh, Portrait, of, Portrait of an American Family and Smells Like Children, are like just such a perfect distillation of what I think of, what I mean by like fucked America vibes that like I couldn't I couldn't really not talk about them. And if I was going to like really like break it down into what are what are the basic components of this, it is fundamentally it's moral and sexual hypocrisy and the grotesquerie of decay those are the those are the big things that um go that are running through both of both of these both of these records right so there's this um in in portrait and i'm going to talk about spells like children a little bit separately actually though they do run run together portrait of of an american family is um there's this like there's obviously there's a nastiness going through it, but there's a, also a, an oddly sincere sense of righteous anger uh, running yeah. through it as well. Um, is is the thing? Like it is quite um, through all its like clownishness and it's and uh, and so on. It's also got like songs about like you know the pro life brigade are actually murderers and stuff in it. We've songs like get your get your gun. Um, and songs like Lunchbox, which are very interesting, because like, which is which is about school bullying, and is a kind of like a pre-school shooting song about like just wanting to really fuck people up with a heavy metal lunchbox uh, at the playground, so you don't get picked on anymore. So that's got like I think that's probably one of the things got picked up on after the unpleasantness uh, of Columbine. Um, the Maryland so uh, spoke in school today, <laughs> and to just to talk about the relationship between these two releases as well. Portrait of an, of an American Family was Manson's debut, and Smells Like Children was originally just going to be like a few remixes. I think it was specifically of the song Dope Hat. It was just like a Skinny Puppy and like others doing remixes of Smells Like Children, but it kind of like took on a, a life of its own. And it does have like it's got like a few remixes on there, and it's also where the cover of of um sweet dreams comes from and it's also got these similar to less exorcisto it's got these various well both of them have like lots of samples but um there's a lot of like soundscape stuff in smells like children including like found audio stuff like um like like dubious ethically dubious found audio stuff like a recording he made of his mother on the phone to his grandmother her mother talking about like the various medications she's on and like discoloration of the feces is what that song is called and it's like yeah, that's kind of fucked that you do that okay but again he's apparently like, his family was very supportive of this like, yeah well, he said that his parents came to yeah. see every every gig he ever did or something um, yeah and like his dad would show up dressed as a priest or some shit like just like having just the best old time yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> uh, i think can i just interject one moment i think it's kind of like uh i mean i don't know how I, I have no idea what the average demographic of the weird signal listener is beyond like the people who engage with us on the internet but like i think it's necessary to kind of like stress like quite what early 90s american culture war shit was like in terms of just like oh yeah. i don't know like it like subtlety was just like i don't know it's like we maybe we're over preoccupied with nuance because like you know social media one of the things has meant that it's like everything gets overanalyzed to hell um and maybe and not necessarily for bad you know f- to the ill of to the detriment of actual like analysis and stuff but like yeah it's like uh, these were these were kind of like i don't want to say brutal times but it was like it was these were extreme times and it was like extreme unsubtle times and like 
uh, stuff that may seem kind of like cringe, like, oh, we're making a statement by being shocking in this way. It's like, it did kind of mean something very different back then. Yeah, I mean, because th this is in the days where you could get, like, um, falsely imprisoned for the murder of a young boy uh, for having a U2 shirt or, you know, or just being a bit of a goth dickhead. Yeah, being um, us. Fucking around. Yeah, for being us, basically. We would we would be in jail for the murder of, like, so a many children. Boy in just the 90s. so many. And yeah. not even just the ones we uh, actually did kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you edgy boy! Uh, but yeah, no, exactly. That's and and uh, like Manson's like self presentation has always been like the the bet noir America I mean, as such, right? Yeah. And I mean, I just want to say actually, like, not that it's not fucked now, <laughs> not to you know, but it was a different oh, kind of fucked, and it was in many ways a kind of like easier to navigate kind of fucked situation. It's very like the fucked now is very similar to what the fucked then was only like it is more intense in lots of ways. Um, and it's kind of immune to hypocrisy. I guess it always was, but like it takes a lot more mental energy to highlight the hypocrisies of things because not because they're less obvious, but they're, they're just more resilient in their hypocrisy. Yeah. So yeah. So, so, okay. So, Manson's yeah, presentation, <laughs> if I can talk now, <laughs> Manson's presentation please, please, right, yeah. like, so is is he's uh, is himself as this kind of like dark, like clownish antithesis of I think specifically like the Wasp thing, you know, uh, yeah. and like the aesthetic in port, like his aesthetic really from portrait all the way through to Hollywood actually um, is like very caught up with these themes of decay and distortion and like physical and moral and mental rot you know i get like his video like uh, you see this in like uh, some of the videos for um antichrist superstar as well especially the beautiful people where again it's that same kind of like desaturate desaturated kind of like water damaged distorted camera lenses you know like the image you're seeing of me right now probably sean oh uh, well actually i've got my notes open so i can't see but actually yeah no okay. exactly yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. that um my fucking grainy ass ps2 web can so actually is it just to go to the point you were making there actually about how some of this like you you might go well surely that's kind of like obvious i think and, and yeah but sometimes it's important to point out the bleeding obvious isn't it is um so like the target like the main like the target i think more than anything else of uh, of portrait is um is ultimately it's hypocrisy that's i think that's really what it's what it's an album kind of in excavating i was going to say in dialogue which i don't think is right is, is accurate but, it's, but what what it's <laughs> what it's excavating is these um just fucking rush limbaugh's return diss track <laughs> um and actually so i actually want to talk about um what what like what hypocrisy actually is you know, sort of like, like, almost like being a little bit like, okay, what's, what's a struck, what would the structural analysis of the figure of the hypocrite actually like show us? Right. So there's Who three. Who were the hypocrites? So there's three. There's three. There's three things here. There's three elements to the figure of the of the hypocrite. The first is the the moralizing gesture right the hypocrite is always a moralist uh the hypocrite can only be a hypocrite because they take a public stance regarding the morals and conduct of others right secondly fuckers, fuckers. secondly authority that the moralizer has to be in a position where their pronouncements carry some kind of force of law be that the literal institutions of uh, of of the legal system or just like moral weight or the weight of custom right and uh -huh. fi finally most importantly uh it's 
dissimulation and transgression. The moralizing hypocrite fails to live by their own codes. They, in fact, live in violation of it. But they have to do this secretly because they are seeking to preserve their position of authority and esteem so that they can be in a position to render judgment, right? So all what's implied in this therefore is by by necessity it's secrecy and illusion and trickery, right? The hypocrite can only act under the cover of some kind of darkness. The hypocrite has to cast a spell of some kind in order to deflect observa the observation of the transgressions of the laws that they themselves are promulgating, right? And, yeah. okay, so, 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 if we look at the actual lyrical content of Portraiture of the American Family, there's this kind of preoccupation that comes up quite a few times with uh illicit sex right and we see and like the first the first song in the album is called cake and sodomy right and the the lyrics are concerned specifically with religion with um illicit sex acts and quite explicitly with sexual violence as well the the figure that the song centers around is is um, described in the second verse with the words uh, Bible Belt round Anglo waist putting sinners in their place of whom Manson asks if you're so good explain the shit stains on your face right so I'm not going to do like a line by line analysis of the song because that'd be really boring um, but so in essence what like what, what Manson does that's with this content. that's bonus content well, uh, what, what the hell is this genius.com uh, but in uh, but, okay. <laughs> what is this song meanings.com <laughs> Okay, but what what this figure, this figure, um, the you know the Anglo of the Bible Belt, right, is uh, in essence like Manson is sketching a picture of the patriarchal white, actually quite explicitly white uh, family man who, on the one hand, is deeply prejudiced and has a deeply like condemnatory stance with regards other people's lives in particular their sex lives this you know this is obviously riddled with homophobia and misogyny but on the other hand he indulges himself and his sexuality with pornography and with sexual violence in order to gratify himself this is the yeah this is like the central hypocritical figure of the number right um and the and this is summed up like in the chorus, like the chorus is white trash, get down on your knees, time for cake and sodomy. And what's what's interesting about this is like on the one hand, okay, on the one hand, cake, right? Like and and like culturally, symbolically, like cake is like a food that's very, it is quite associated with notions of innocence and childhood, right? Because like the it's just such a strange thing to talk about but like like the cake ultimately it's always the birthday cake right and that is like what is a better symbol of like all of the all of like uh the cult around the child uh that, that that we that we create than the birthday cake the child of a birthday cake right for more on why that's fash listen to our lee edelman episode exactly and <laughs> So, so this... why why we were an anti children <laughs> at least anti birthday cake um, yeah uh, yeah so yeah okay okay so like I'm not gonna do that bit I don't know it's like I felt a bit coming on anyway so yeah, okay okay anyway. okay 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 I know I know I'm a bit I know I'm being a bit um uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for diegetic no what's the word uh, aggressive no. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm reading the things to people anyway. Okay, so 
the cake. You have the cake. I'd like, what is what is cake? If not a symbolic stand-in for the whole heteronormative and patri- uh, patriarchal reproductive order of the nuclear straight family. And what this is juxtaposed with, sodomy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> cake and sodomy. Okay, so, and sodomy is a word that in our like normal part okay so like what does that like what does it mean what does the word sodomy actually mean it's like it refers specifically you know really it what it specifically means is an act of rape the um rape of a man by another man is ultimately what is implied by a word like by that word in particular sodomy it is not a consensual sexual encounter in essence what is kind of like the narrative implied here is the fucking you know homophobic anglo daddy is also like quite capable of sexually assaulting another man and not really thinking through implications that might have for the symbolic order he outwardly is propping up right are you with me here are you with me i'm with you yeah I've got more I want to talk about with cake, but I'm good. Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna hold that in abeyance for now. Okay. Okay. So and and yeah. So this is, yeah. So this is and this is actually and something in general actually that Manson was often playing with queerness in particular, like a, a gender fuck thing with a lot of his public gender presentation. Um, I would say so. There was always this, and as for and uh, I think in like he has spoken or written about quite openly about like having had like same sex experiences, though he has he's only ever been married and in relationships with women, um, and again with whom he has been apparently quite quite uh, quite abusive. Um, anyway, um, but alongside this, uh, later on in the album we have, and this is probably the strongest track of the whole album, is the song "Wrapped in Plastic." Uh, do you know that one, Luce? I know. Okay, so it's it's about Laura Palmer and Twin yeah. Peaks. Like that is no shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is just yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah, and this is yeah. and, right and that yeah, was and, the name of the uh, Twin Peaks fan magazine. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, because that is the yeah you know, that is Jack Nansen's line. You know, at the start of it, she's dead she's wrapped dead. in plastic. Uh, yeah. And so and Twin Peaks, right? Twin Peaks is again is a work concerned with the moral and like psychic structure of hypocrisy and dissimulation and disavowal you know because like this is what people we always talk about so like twin peaks is very much like that it's the the exploration of the dark underbelly of america right and um and what one of the things that we you know learn over the course of it which is like a very like distressing moment in the in the show is what the nature of laura's trauma is is that she was the victim of an inc- of incestuous abuse at the hands of her own father and the unspeakableness of this deed is kind of like Leland is conceit her father is concealing it even from himself like this is something that you know he is almost like led to realize that he did this this is something yeah this is the levels of the levels of dissimulation and that is required in order to maintain in order to maintain the social order the symbolic order is such that even even the hypocrite's own hypocrisy has to be kind of hidden from him right um mm-hmm. right and in in raptor plastic manson sets the scene of again and again it's like specifically like he, he, he does racialize like the the subjects of his songs as white like this is this is a white family and the audience in is asked to like come into this family's home and 
very and the like the screaming chorus is coming to our home won't you stay well i know the steak is cold but it's wrapped in plastic and following the twin peaks illusion the steak in question here being offered as the host's own daughter and it's a deeply deeply disturbing moment in the song is when he whispers down the mic thin and so white thin and so white daddy tells the daughter mommy sleeping at night wash off your sin take off your skin the righteous father wears the yellowest grin and this is just so this is so much of what like i mean when i think about fox america is this is this image this um of the aggressive violent maintenance of a of the white anglo-saxon white anglo-saxon protestant heterosexual gender binaric order right maintaining this whole symbolic edifice in order to allow the the men the patriarch the patriarchs to have to be able to be in a position where they can take sexual ownership of their own children almost you know this is the whole this is like the real grim darkness of it and obviously this isn't unique to america or anything like that but what is explored like lynch's work and in this period of manson's work it's that it's that horrifying bleak tension between the the claims of the symbol you know, what the symbolic order is maintaining outwardly with this horrifying esoteric abusive real lying underneath it um yeah fuck um and yeah i i just kind of wanted to interject if we yeah we were playing that kind of like the tensions of what this how this resonated in say 1995 and how this resonates now and it's that you know it's a pretty pretty sound observation that like yeah the people who are most preoccupied with like groomer panic are the people who you know it's like the ones who are scared of like you know trans people being visible to your children are the ones who are putting said children in like beauty pageants and shit um that's yeah. and and like kind of inculcating them into kind of like mock heterosexual marriages and shit and like these kind of like familial relations which are yeah which are like years beyond the but but are kind of you know acceptable and therefore you know yeah a thing and it's like yeah no. deeply yeah deeply deeply concerned with the sexuality of children that's the thing yeah fanatically concerned with it um, obsessively 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 um and with yet yeah, rigidly maintaining this particular this particular economy of sexuality this particular economy of desire it has to be understood in this way it has to be experienced in this way even as by being in the position of the sovereign in this you know you know you of us are the exception to that and thus is not a violation for you you as the sovereign to molest your own daughter or to commit some kind of like same sex act as well because it like because it's understood as these expressions of your masculine ownership over the property that is your family or this masculine uh explosion of, of violence that you are committing on someone else um fuck yeah this is like the i was really decides the state of exception exactly when i when i was writing all of this like last night i was like um really aware so god this is actually gonna be really fucking dark my the other album we're gonna be talking about after you do laws yours lose <laughs> is really fun and we're gonna go into some really nice light territory here um we've got, yeah. Uh, yeah um well, can i yeah i've got a fun note i can end this on if we well, want to i've got a little bit uh yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. but um yeah i'm going to 
you know Can what? I just, I, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna skip the section I have marked in my notes as Bible study time with Father Sean. I'm not gonna go into that bit about can the, I, can I the etymology bring, of the yeah. word sodomy. Uh, yeah, sorry, Lucy. Yeah, we you can look it up anyway. Yeah. Um, the bit I wanted to say was like I don't know. I I just I just got I found myself thinking about the semiotics of cake. Uh, like what does that mean to me? Well, one, <laughs> my reading of it was like cake and sodomy has a kind of similar resonance to bread and circuses. Uh, yes. Know, <laughs> to what end? But time for bread and circuses. Uh, but also the cake. I mean, who was the most famous person, if not for eating cake, then at least advocating the eating of cake amongst the masses? Sean, can you can you tell me? Well, that would be one Mary Antoinette. Mary Antoinette, yeah. And a symbol associated with a kind of, like, punishable decadence and retroactively a kind of queerness. Um, thanks, Sofia Coppola. Um, I'm sure that film is actually good. I don't know. But um, I should actually watch it. But, yeah. Uh, Arrow's going with that. Well, there, they, yeah, like... Uh, there's that kind of thing, like, well, I mean, that's the kind of, the hypocrisy, the the kind of, the entitlement, you know, if we want to flip that, the entitlement, the privilege, that's just like, that was then, this is now, this is the same kind of shit, although, yeah, uh, although it's like oppressing children rather than just peasants and the children thereof. Or, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, do you know, do you know yeah. who else is a uh, entitled hypocrite, abusive hypocrite loose? Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Fuck that yeah. guy. Rob Zombie seems to be perfectly. I don't think there's yeah. been anything like. He's just living his best goddamn life. It's like he's like, like they're they're dancing and there's fucking bricks, you know. You know, it's, it's, yeah. he's just he's just all right. <laughs> By the way, that Danzig account is not Danzig. Like, please, stop. <laughs> please stop. Like, at least you acknowledge that if you're going to be sharing it, because it is funny. It is, of course, it's funny that Danzig is just like trolling people online but obviously Danzig doesn't have the energy for that he's got <laughs> bigger bricks to toss into a fucking shack of a pile a different pile but what I was going yeah actually yeah uh, fun I did, video I... about Rob Zombie and like figuring out what the f- what, what, what what's Rob Zombie's deal like he seems to have one thing but like why um May Leet's friend of the show actually has a um a, a video from a couple of years ago now where she breaks down this exact question of why is Rob Zombie and I can't remember how she resolves that or whether she resolves that but anyway it's quite good but anyway uh, what I was going to say also was like I don't know like just as sodomy is kind of like uh, rationalized kind of like unproductive sex uh, is cake not unnutritious eating like it's just empty calories it's just mm-hmm. pure pleasure. Um, and a little bit of pain if you've got sensitive teeth. So, yeah. Well, well maybe like, they're not that dissimilar like so to me if you're not doing it right, indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, with actually, signal the... official position, use lube. Um, <laughs> use sponsored lube. by adamandeve.com. And... Uh... <laughs> I have just a couple of small points I do want to make uh, before yeah, I yeah, close yeah. my segment. One is actually we'll briefly Let's dip in. What well, I will briefly dip into Bible studies time with Father Sean, and I, yeah, I won't yeah. go through the whole. I just I won't go through the whole thing I was going to talk about. Back actually, no, I do need to talk about it a little bit. Okay, but basically, yeah. can like, I ask you a question we, at the we, end of this as well? Uh, okay, but okay, but yeah. this was going to say. So we all know the word sodomy is of course derived from Sodom and Gomorrah, which are the cities like get blown up by God in the book of Genesis because of, uh, well, the narrative that we tend to think as well is because they were too gay. They were tremendously gay. They and it gays is, remain standing. 
And it is true, yeah. but but the actual, but as 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 is often the case with the Bible, the narrative itself is actually far more interesting than that. And because what actually what happens, like the the event uh, in question, is when the the uh, the angels turn up to Lot's house to tell him he needs to get needs a gal dodge. Uh, basically, um, is the 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 men of the town who are supposed literally sodomites after a fashion, um, basically turn up and they say send out those 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 hot young bucks who've just come into your house so that we can well so that they can rape them basically it's actually really nasty but yeah that's that's what the like the event is but then this is the thing that what happened like lots response to this when it is to say no have my daughters instead because they're virgins and the reason apparently for this is because the men were his guests the angels were his guests and therefore under his protection because of that which was not protection that he was extending to his daughters and this is and the vote like sometimes your richard's dorkin and your bill's mayor have like tried to spin this as like oh the bible says that it's better to rape a you know, a virgin a, a virgin girl than it is to have gay sex but that isn't what the story is saying at all like lot doesn't actually come out of this looking good he's not meant Maybe to like, love making shit up this yeah. is really, it's really so. So you actually, actually, just read the plain text as it is. It's like Lot is actually quite, uh, like is is a very weak-willed man who has to be endlessly cajoled into doing like basic things like leaving the city and so on. And but what's what's like the weirdest fucking and it's one of the weirdest moments in the whole in the whole um Old Testament. This one of those ones where it's just like yeah that God knows what this means or where where this came from. But after the cities are destroyed, where it's just Lot and his daughters like living in some caves up in the mountain, it's a very, the narrative takes a very strange turn where they now think they're the only people left in the world. And so his daughters take it upon themselves to repopulate and he's the only man so they get him drunk and well rape him they they sexually assault their father to become pregnant by him after after making getting him drunk and this is obvious and this is like quite like obviously like meant to be a kind of like ironic comeuppance on the fact that he showed so little regard for his own daughter for his for, for, for his own daughters that uh, that he himself becomes the victim of the of 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 an act of sexual violence at their own hands it's a really fucked moment but the reason i'm talking about all of this is to is that um what we kind of see in like the origin of the word sodomy is this act of hypocritical incestuous violence again and in the and because and in fact like the older like the older meanings of the word sodomite and sodomy, it didn't specifically mean male, male anal sex. It meant any kind of like no, any kind of like notion of depraved sexuality in general. And in this, and in and in this understanding, it is actually like fig- figures like Leland Palmer in that regard, and the Anglo Daddy of the song. These are the actual, as it were, real sodomites of the equation. So, yeah, there you go. Um, and a couple of very brief words, very brief, and I'll let you go. I'll, I'll, I'll finish this after this. Um, sorry, I won't let you go. No, of course, like, we've got other things to say, but I'll finish, <laughs> yeah, I'll finish no, on we're this. We're not going anywhere. Is, smells like children. Um, it's like just this really weird little companion album. It's really vicious and nasty. Um, much more so than Portrait is. It's got some really nasty like shit in it, actually. And it was going to be uh, 
uh, uh, yeah like it was going to be much nastier like there were and apparently you can listen to all of this online somewhere but there was originally going to be like they they had all of these like taped confessions of like from groupies and shit that they were talking to when they were touring including one from like a teenage girl confessing to molesting her seven-year-old male cousin and this was on the they included like these like sound bites on the promotional release they sent to critics and shit and yeah i just don't really know what to do with that information it's just really fucked up big yikes and their tour bus and supposedly supposedly their tour bus driver tony f wiggins who is responsible for the racist cover of um cake and soda on there called white trash tried to kill them all at one point so there you go i just just gonna stop now yeah um i i I feel bad for talking about all of this the hope you do as well um (laughs) yeah uh yeah, it's not a well. I don't know. That reminded me of the time where, like, uh, Amanda Palmer faked her own death and then recorded her boyfriend freaking out over finding her supposedly dead body and then used it on an album. Um, yeah, I'm sure that. And I won't hear any difference. Like, fuck the worst Palmer. I'm putting it out there. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. I was just like, yeah, that reminds me. Yeah, people love people love sticking bullshit on albums for for chuck because they're all chuckle fucks in the 90s uh like peter Steele's like li- weird stupid little bits between like at the beginning and the end of uh o- october rust where they just like apologize for how much the album sucks actually that was pretty good um or like the slipknot album where like you like you think there's gonna be a secret track and then and then the secret track is just one of them throwing up while they all laugh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, take me back <laughs> to when I was fucking when I, yeah when I was about seven years old but anyway uh, well no I was unrelated when did you first hear this song the song that we heard because uh, I very distinctly remember it not from listening to Marilyn Manson because you know I held it in advance I don't particularly care for Marilyn Manson musically like I just find it cringe and ba- well like I, I did actually quite like you know my favourite thing about that track we listened to in hindsight was the instrumentation, you know, the the arrangement of it, which I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much of the audio from our conversations over the tracks we're going to be keeping, like fucking Beavs and Butthead. But um, it's really, really grunge. It reminds me of like, like kind of neo kind of grunge, you know, like Aftermath kind of like or Late Hole or whatever. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, my experience of like listening to it first was on the soundtrack to the extremely kind of early 2000s, like new metal cinema uh remake of i think it's the house on haunted hill or you know originally a 1960s film with vincent price rebooted with uh not to be confused with like the haunting which was also rebooted around the same time and had Catherine zeta jones in it but like that was actually quite a banger uh, probably better than the original uh the the house on haunted hill version it was fucking gnarly uh had some had some love i don't know how well it holds up but it makes extremely good use of that song and like the opening scene where they're all arriving at the house and it's all fucking weird sure we should watch that maybe not cover it but definitely watch it I feel all like right we've yeah i feel like i've done it justice in, in that five minutes but yeah um should we do is that should we do another album like let's do another song yes um, what, what's next what's next all right ah uh, can we all right i don't think this song is actually fuck i did i pick a song i don't think i want to do like red light blue light uh 
I think I want to... Oh, no. I want to do two minutes to lunch. Um, so, okay. So, uh, this next album, this next song, rather, is, um, is called Two Minutes to Lunch. And it's from the album The Dark Continent by the band Wall of Voodoo. And it goes a little something like this. epilogue on this song which I always forget like <laughs> I don't know why maybe it, yeah maybe I just assumed it was like the beginning of the next track but uh it's kind of cool kind of wailing sounds let's see where this goes <laughs> uh nope that's it okay all right. Well, that was uh, that was short and sweet. That was like two minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah, and really nice kind of like abrupt ending. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, two minutes to lunch by Wall of Voodoo from their album Dark Continent. Uh, Sean, what did you think of that? I guess. Uh, I mean, well, I'm sure I've played it to you before. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you do play me a lot of songs. Um, the yeah. uh, yeah, I like well, it. It was. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's, weird. It, right? It's much. It's much tighter and much uh, more uh, artsy and low key than the uh, crap we've been talking about thus far. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking tight. Well, it's like machine-like, in fact. Um, yeah, uh, just like a, 
if you haven't heard this song, you've or like you may well have heard the song Mexican Radio, a reference to those border blaster stations I was talking about in reference to uh, the the White Zombie album. Uh, but basically, yeah. Where do I want to begin with this? I guess like I guess what I wanted to start out with was like kind of my um my kind of periodization, like talking about this as a uh, as a as a kind of uh, uh, well, you know, as like you know, an example of the genre. And I, I just I paused there for a second because I realized like this is a really weird sort of like if we wanted to like do like a mix of things episode, we've not really mixed it up that much. Is it we have what is it like the first two? We've really front loaded on the '90s like alternative rock um, <laughs> stuff. Um, because we did literally both Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie. Like, uh, and now here's, like, some weird, janky post-punk from 1981. Um, from, like, kind of a classic of the form, but, like, one of the lesser-known things of the form. But, yeah, I guess, talking about post-punk, um, we have a certain idea of what post-punk is. Um, although, kind of, it's one of those things where it's, like, kind of, a very nebulous term where you could either point to something and say this is definitely post-punk or just expand it outwards and say like most thing most music is post-punk um so it's almost semiotically meaningless but i don't know what i i guess like i don't know the thing i put in my notes was um like in the uk post-punk is a sound it's like jangly kind of like um you know, often kind of chorusy, inflected guitars. It's very clean. It's very cold. It sometimes incorporates like dub influences very interestingly, um, and it's quite bleak. Um, this is but a crisis in... I knew yeah. had to come, destroying what balance I had, and so yeah. in a similar fashion. Yeah, yeah. Sad, sad boys who sound posh but are actually incredibly like yeah, are very archetypally working class. Um, but like. But I don't know, just like describing the it's like sad posh boy voice is it became sad posh boy voice, I guess, but I'm getting sidetracked. Basically, I don't know, like actually wait, no, I was gonna say like, yeah, post punk is a type of guy. And depending on where you are in the world, that's a very different type of guy. Either it's a sad posh boy, or at least a kind of, you know, like kind of fake posh boy. Or um or it's like this guy we've just heard, which is like I would describe as kind of like really tense, possibly like a you know speed the the town speed freak who's somewhere between like Jimmy McGill and Hunter S. Thompson slash kind of like Richard Nixon during his Carnival Barker days. He's like angry, nasal, kind of like tricksy. Uh, like he's gonna fuck with you in some way. Like either like just like wreck. Yeah, he's gonna wreck your day and possibly your life. He's either gonna like rob you or you know, if he's one of the nicer variants, he'll have he'll give you like the best night of your life and the worst hangover of your life, um, and possibly leave you with a like crippling amphetamine addiction. I don't know. Like he's he's like he's sweating profusely. He's wearing like a kind of like dinner jacket. Um, he's he's got a car. He's maybe got like a bit of a trucker tan, but he's definitely never he's definitely not certified to work as a trucker. Um, and he's just like. He's delivering things in a really kind of, like, tense kind of, yeah, hey, hey, do you ever do this? Um, and, like, this type of guy, you know, it's the voice that's, like, I don't know, I guess, like, when we were talking about this, it's, like, you was, like, yeah, that type of guy is David Byrne. And I'm, uh, well, I don't know, David Byrne, I think, like, 
popular maybe popularized that kind of vocal delivery although it is it feels like itself a pastiche of an earlier perhaps more innocent version of that kind of delivery although i don't know whether you know thing necessarily comes from unless it's like novelty records or something but can, can i tell you my favorite yeah. david burn fact not yeah. that i have that many actually but this is just with the the suit like the weird boxy suit thing he had on yeah apparently the reason for this when asked why do you want that is he just sort of like well he what, what was asked why do you keep on like requesting to have like a suit that's like really big on you is it because i need my head to look small <laughs> <laughs> so very well uh i also do yeah. in terms of like that guy the you know sort of like the like very very tense man who hasn't slept yeah. for like 38 hours kind of uh kind of kind of guy like at the beginning of the the concept video stopped making sense you have a talking head um uh, uh concert video he just it's just like david Byrne walks out on the stage I just sort of like it says to the audience, "I've got a tape I want to play you," and just like this, like we're just absolutely the delivery of like a guy who's about to kill you. It's great. It's 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 exactly it's exactly that energy. It's exactly that. It's about energy. to personally kill ten thousand people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. I was about to say actually, like there's something we're still on type of guy chat. Um, there's something about like the TV comedian about it. Like who was the Who's the comedian they reference in that Led Baron story um, in Swift to Chase? Oh, okay, it... so it's 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 yeah, it's a character that Andy Kaufman played played called yeah. I think Tony was it Tony Clifton? Tony Clifton, that's it. The story is called Tony Clifton is stalking through the bushes or something. Andy like Kaufman stalking through the bushes, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, it. yeah, 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 and which, yeah, like which is just like a very very fucking like weird story, just about like Andy Kaufman it's just so being tense. like really scary <laughs> just yeah and it's just like a guy like who sort of like and then like yeah like one of the characters that you play with that being he played was Tony was was called to- Tony Clifton and it's just like despite their Kaufman being long dead long dead it's just Tony Clifton's just doing stand-up and like threatening people it's just re- it's so weird it's such a weird story well, that we know of he's long dead as far that as we we're know aware. that we know mm. of yes uh yeah so I guess like yeah the oily charm of a shouty man. Um, yeah, so, like, uh, I guess, you know, to put this in musical terms, um, there's kind of, like, you think of, like, punk happening in a series of movements. I mean, everyone does because everyone's fucking, you know, music, music, music journalists, as I was at a, a weird time of my life, uh, are fucking lazy people. Uh, by, by necessity, often. Not always, in fact, but sometimes, often. Well, I'm just gonna stop trying. I know, I was not very good at music journalism, but as you can probably tell from this episode. But I wanted to like think of like in terms of that whole bit was unnecessary. But yeah, like we think of punk, we think of like uh, British punk in the UK and anarchy therein. Uh, we think of like American like kind of like art school rock that is referred to as like yeah no this is actually where punk started. It was actually like Velvet Underground and stuff, and it's like. I don't know if that's true, but I uh, fine, fine. But then, like, there was also that kind of like weird, kind of like Midwest avant-garde front, uh, popular, you know, that like exemplified by bands like Devo and Perubu. Um, and also, I'm wanting to say the B52s, even though I think they're from Kansas or something. But actually, no, Kansas is no, they're from fucking Georgia. Ah, someone was from Kansas. But anyway, like, non... 
not even not ex-urban but like definitely not like kind of like the main cities you want to go to immediately if you're new to america kind of thing weird weird other cities are doing strange arty fucked up rock uh and even though like yeah wall of voodoo are are a la band um they still very much are like of this kind of musical ilk it feels like it's very um I don't want to say angular because every person who's ever dis- tried to describe a post-punk track has used the term angular at least once, but it's kind of angular. It's like, I'm not very good at music theory, but it's notes that are, st- you know, they resolve as, you know, music should on like the tonic notes or whatever, but it's like, but it goes, Wah! it goes off in a direction, your line goes up. It's like, you know, it's like the NFT market. Hey, um, uh, hey, hey, hey. Uh, hey, yeah, making a joke from 2021 there. Um, yeah, basically... It's, it sounds fucked up, and, like, I guess this is where it sort of leans into the kind of thematic elements of, like, I guess, which is why, you know, why why I'm covering this album, which is, like, where does this fit into my idea of, like, America and, like, fucked America? And there's kind of two avenues to this. One is a more kind of thematic one, which I'm going to talk about first. The second is a more aesthetic one. And, like, the first one, I think you might have noticed it. It's a very tense song. In fact, like... That that album, that track we listened to is like, is the kind of like more kind of like low key, like so it's about to become tense. It's like there's a background tension. It's more quiet. It's like it's two minutes to lunch and then there's bass drops and like, and like the, uh, it's got that very sly kind of like harmonica lick and the um, uh, but like the track before that, which the album opens on is called, uh, uh, red light, blue light, and it's just, it's literally, well, like, both of them are kind of involve either explosions or it sounds like something's rigged to explode, and, like, you know, every, you know, it's, like, dangerous and tense. It's, like, the lyric, like, there'll be a red light by the window and a blue light by the car. He'll be running, but he won't get far. Um, and, like, kind of quirky, kind of almost dumb lyrics, but, like, it's basically, it's, like, the terror we talk, we talk about, like, the terror of the hyper-mundane in a lot of contexts, but this is, like, something, like, it feels like the low-key kind of, like, authoritarianism of corporate life. The idea of, like, kind of, like, you're gonna, you're gonna get fired. Like, you're, you're constantly at risk of getting fired. You know, this, this is, like, imagine the atmosphere like you know, I don't know. If I'm saying, like, if anyone ever wants to speak out about the existence of unions because you have a fucking no spine in your head in your ass um this is just like you know this is the kind of existence that like you know the unions are protecting you from it's like you you are worthless you have like an okay situation right now but it can be taken from you at any time and you're in immense personal danger and nobody gives you gives a shit because like you know osha violations are a kind of abstraction to your boss who's who's a working man himself you know and like and it's like yeah it's there, the the album is kind of suffused with like either an interior what feels like an interior monologue of like you know a panicked you know on edge worker who feels like they're gonna get fired and like just angry weird alienated alienating kind of figures of authority screaming at you <laughs> and like like there's there's one song where it's like a guy and you know and and occasionally, you know, the narrator, their narrative voice kind of snaps. Uh, there's a song, I believe, like, he's like, ah, uh, 
the last lyric is like this. Actually, no, I want to just find the lyrics. Um, uh, well, do, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's called, uh, the song is called Back in Flesh and come on, loadgenius.com. Uh, yeah, the last, the last, like, verse of it is this back and forth of, I won't go, he won't go, I don't want to go, you must go, it's time to go, the orders are in, well I'd rather go bowling, the lanes are closed, or maybe a little tennis, your racket's got a hole, how about some baseball, the field's rained out, maybe a little fishing, the fish are on vacation, or how about golfing, the greens are overgrown, what about some swimming, I don't think so, what about this, and what about that, no, 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 well you can't tell me what to do, you can't tell me what to do, you can't tell me what to do, hey, fuck you is the return voice. And it's like, that hey fuck you is just like, yeah, no, you're fucked. You're in this position where you're fucked and, and like, you try to rebel against it only to find yourself uh, just beset by absurdity. Um, and yeah, and this is about neoliberalism. This is about like, you know, traditional industry is like collapsing. Your existence is getting, becoming increasingly precarious. Your traditional means of support or survival are getting eroded and it's like you're kind of you're buying into the new america kind of like corporate you know you're getting your place on the ladder of the corporate class but there is a gun to your head in the process and like this is you know this is 1981 this is kind of like just like the stirrings of that but um but it's kind of like this was the kind of the vibe of this whole movement in like post-punk. It's in like, I wanted to, you know, I thought about covering Devo, like doing a Devo album for like this, this thing. But I kind of, I wanted to do this instead. One, because it's like Devo is the one that's talked about more in like, you know, the, the, the music press. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> and I was intimidated by that because it's like, I'm bad at thinking about music and expressing it. Uh, and there's probably a bunch of shit that's already been written about Devo that I would have to read and process in a lot more detail than I have done here. But it's like Devo were, they were doing, you know, they were postmodern in the literal sense of it, as in they were doing kind of like pastiches of corporate life, but it was the kind of, uh, the inverse of this, like kind of like the, a, a piss take of like kind of the aspiration, you know, taking the piss out of like the aspirational quality to it. The whole idea of like, yeah, let's buy into this corporate existence. Let's, let's, you know, in every dream home a heartache, but look at that dream home, you know, the main house of palace. It's that kind of shit. That's a Roxy music reference that I threw in for no reason. Well, for some reason, but, uh, uh sorry. I think it's like the tension of that track is still with me. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, this is like kind of, this is, that's the absurdity writ large. This is talking about the kind of like grubby material reality of what that kind of corporatization looks like from below. And I just think that's like, that's really cool. Um, do you have any comment on that before I launch into kind of like the aesthetic dimension? That was, yeah. Not really, no. Okay, um, well, yeah. I quite like well, okay, talking so heads. Yeah, we all love talking heads. Me too. Hey, you know that song uh, King's Light Hat by Brian Eno? That's no. an anagram of talking heads. Oh. You know, King's Light Hat, put the poker in the fire, it will come, it will come, it will surely come. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, 
can't remember how Brian Eno figures into all of this, but he did collaborate with Talking Heads, so that's cool. Yes. Um, yeah. The other thing is, like, just, like, the America this is talking about, which I guess, if we just want to bring it back to David Lynch again, this is the America of, say... Like not even LA. This is the, the this is the America of Big Tuna, Texas. This is the uh, America of like bizarre kind of like fucking kitschy shit out in the desert, getting the paint blasted off it. This is the America of the film Repo Man, uh, starring Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. This is the this is like gnarly I don't know Paris, Texas, saturated green and yellow and red, and there is no safety zone kind of. This is fucked America, but a particular kind of, like, a particular, particular kind of, like, a kind of very pure kind of, like, fucked America. You know, in terms of, like, you know, the other fucked America I talked about was a very eclectic one. This is a very pure kind of one, in that it's, like, it's got a focus of it. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I think that was that. I just spun my wheels about that very quickly. Um, no, no, no more to say. Cool. That concludes, uh, yeah. Nihilism, anxiety, and the authoritarian corporate landscape. Um, feeling of being trapped, or that you're about to do something very unwise. Um, but yeah, that's 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 that. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. God damn. Yeah, I just wanna I just wanna do a weird dance now, like a weird jerky jerky dance, just to get rid of some of this energy. Jerky jerky uh, dance. Have a jerky jerky go. Well, how about I, uh... some like ponderous fucking prog? like late prog how, how, how about, about we go in that direction I have no segue I have no segue my album well, is Imagine Those it's Imagine Those by Blue Oyster Cult Lucy uh, all the songs are quite long I'm afraid we're gonna yeah, listen yeah that's fine we're gonna listen okay. to Magna of Illusion by Blue Oyster Cult <laughs> of course we are alright yeah I need to whew I like that artwork. Maybe you could... Blah! Okay, wait. <laughs> ah, that was right in there. Okay. Right, are uh, you ready? <laughs> uh, I wasn't, but I will be. Okay, so one zero. Yeah. Three, Three two, two, one. One. Bow, bow. Bow, bow, bow. This is tense in its own way, but in a... This is the tension that the start of the epic adventure. Feel we're about to plunge right into the eye of the tiger. Although Stephen King is a fan of them, and Stephen King makes them. I'm loving this kind of like. This is so fucking Jim Steinman. I know! It's just. Oh, that fucking Brian May, like, sounds. twiddling. Fucking huge, doesn't it? 
It's a very didactic number. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning shit. I like any song where they just like relentlessly like they're really precise on dates, you know it's about to get real. Show up to the, the, the show and the, 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 the guitarist is dropping dates, you know you're about to break a hip. Some of them would be lost, and some would sail back home. It was no star, but I'm not This is the great, this is the best song. This is, I'm so glad we did this last. Because <laughs> we had a real fucking dip in vibe right after Marilyn Manson. During Celebrating the captain's granddaughter's birthday. Let's fucking go. Granddaughter. Taken from the jungle by clouds. By crying. What would you do in this situation? I'm gonna take a screen grab of us, so close. Alright, we're good. Okay, right. Alright. 
Well, I think right. we all learned something. That was there, so didn't we? fucking meatloaf. That was like, I, I bet this is going to be like, we're just going to look and this is going to turn out to have been literally written by Jim Steinman because that keeps <laughs> happening. Jim Steinman, who's like been tricking metalheads into listening to show tunes for 50 goddamn years. I'm, I'm assuming he's dead, but like, he, I think he, he did is a dead lot of now, that. Sadly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, so. Tonight imagine is what it those, means to be young. Imagine those by Blue Oyster Cult. So, yes, again, was. in our precise Latin uh, taxonomy. The vibe is America Epica Occulta Conspiriana Astrologica. That's where okay. we are with this one. Well, imagine us as Greek, but like... Yeah. 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 Plural okay. would be Imaginoi. Right, right, right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so Blue Oyster Cult. The Blue Oyster yeah, Cult. So, so boys. Okay, basically, right. Don't fear the I have, Reaper. I have go, to, okay. go Godzilla. Yeah, I on. just have to explain a bit about them in order to explain why this album yeah. exists, okay? so yeah, Because this isn't, like, the main vein of what you would think of when you say, hey, Blue Oyster Cult. They no. did Imagine Us. <laughs> they did that song about the sea and getting... Um, taken from the jungle by August clowns. the 1st, 1892. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so just yeah. Blue Oyster Cult. Okay. Essentially, essentially, they're the, they're the creation of the late Sandy Pullman, right? Who was a okay. music critic who happened to know Donald Buck Dharma Rosa and These overheard him. Frog names. I know. <laughs> he overheard him jabbing with his friends and offered to, like, basically said, okay, look, I'll manage you if you, like, want to, like, actually be a band because I've got, like, industry connections. So originally they were called the Soft White Underbelly, but eventually they became. <laughs> <laughs> eventually they became blue oyster cult so as among as, as so one of like sandy Pearlman's side hustles was poetry and a lot of the band's most well-known songs are derived from poems that sandy Pearlman wrote which formed this like huge epic of occult history he called the soft doctrines of imaginos um amazing to my knowledge, there's never it's never actually been like published as a single thing. Although I think I have in the back of my head somewhere that you can get like the complete lyrics of Sandy Pullman, but I don't know if that's true or not. So well, um reprint on Weird Signal Press. So like some of like BOC's most well known songs, like Astronomy is like the big one. That is just that Sandy Pullman's imagine those poems like um although don't fear the reaper uh but was all buck dharma so well done him yeah. um so with songs like astronomy um the thing that's like the, the astronomy is actually possibly my favorite song ever actually i love that song so much and it's um it has a similar i mean it i mean like magnum of illusion is just like grand camp madness while astronomy mm. is a lot more quiet and cryptic although there is a version of it of a, a version of it on this album which is very similar to the song we just heard in terms of it just being yeah. like a really big the, yeah. big heavy version of it um but i kind of like so the original version it's kind of weirder but like oh no I it kind is of yeah. like that it exists in this context as well also covered by metallica and it's not an especially good cover actually but anyway but anyway none of them are well no. <laughs> anyway okay sorry okay. james hatfield <laughs> come at me but like you litigious boy oh it's lars who <laughs> fucking lars anyway continue 
Anyway, thank you. Okay, so with songs like Astronomy and like the other like Imagine Cycle songs, like it's obvious there's some kind of like narrative going on here, but it's always but like the lyrics are just so tremendously cryptic and so layered with like esoteric symbolism that although like you can tell there is some kind of through line here, like but it's also like like God knows what it is actually. And like the song <laughs> Magnet of Illusion is probably like the most like just okay, it's just really plainly like it's about this guy who sails from Cornwall to Mexico to collect a magic mirror from the jungle by crime between the years 1892 and 1893. Like, it's just like, okay, we, we kind of, okay, get that one. So, okay, the band Blue is the Cult's drummer, Albert, I'm going to say his name wrong, I'm sure, Albert Brochard. Brochard. Another great um, prog name. Right. He kind of like split off from the rest of them to make a trilogy of concept albums where he would put the entirety of the soft doctrines to music. I'm going to explain what the soft doctrines narrative actually is. I am going to come to that. He was just going to do like the whole soft doctrines start to finish. And I think basically Columbia said we're not going to publish that. No one will want to hear it. Uh, But I, I don't know exactly how. I think they either just like forced him or were just able to for like rights ownership or something they basically just took the demos that they thought worked the best from him and just got the rest of the band to re-record like the vocals and stuff and just lay it on top of it and this resulted in the album imagine those which is the songs are out of order like so the narrative becomes even like more difficult to follow because they just arranged them by what sounded like you've made the most sense for them to be in basically like um and this and the thing is like this album is like it's so it's so it's a deeply it's a very heavily produced album i think precisely because they just took a bunch of demos and just heavily reworked them into like these huge sounding epic like late prog late neo-psychedelic 80s heart that this came out like 1988 or something like it's a really weird like product this was did not do blue oyster cult's careers any favors either because this was they were at very much like at the tip of their career at this point and imagine those comes out and it's like well what the like, and i think like the consensus was <laughs> a certain move of just like <laughs> our career is going really badly i've got it let's <laughs> do some fucking ridiculous like glam prog <laughs> <laughs> let's do jazz odyssey this is so it the album has developed a cult following of which i am a devotee and it's just you sean (laughs) it's it's actually a fair chance that i'm the person who streams this album the most in the world on spotify like i just absolutely love it i listen to i think i do listen to it probably at least once a week or at least listen to bits of it because i just i just love this album so much this ridiculous stupid thing so okay right I've not actually like explained what like the the, the, the narrative is meant to be in this yeah, or how this relates to me the law of imagine us. <laughs> and I will come to how what what this has to do with fucked America vibes as well. So so bear with me. Right. The, the soft doctrines of Imaginos tell the story of a centuries-long uh, project of extraterrestrial occult conspiracy to manipulate the course of human fish history, eventually resulting in the First World War. What's left kind of like 
ambiguous as if le invisibles, uh, the the beings who are doing the manipulating, if they 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 wanted the first world war to happen, if it's more like a calamitous, unintended consequence thing of their manipulations. So uh, the the narrative that's been kind of like reconstructed, <laughs> that's been like excavated, that's been put together by the scholars of the sacred text, is they think what we reckon. <laughs> Brackets what, short. <laughs> what we reckon is uh, so the story is meant to be about like the Le invisibles um, were worshipped in Mexico and Haiti before the arrival of Europeans. There's these sort of extraterrestrial Kenneth Grant esque trans Plutonian entities. Uh, I was about as I to say, Lovecraftian. Oh, indeed, indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah, just the same uh, thing. Listen to our episode on Mothman. There, so the. The Europeans arrive, the Spanish arrive, um, colonization happens, their cult is destroyed, and like what some of the interpretations of the narrative is that sort of like what happens next is just the revenge of the the invisible ones on europe european civilization for this and it's not exactly clear where where they're from or what they're meant to be but it's heavily implied again that they are extraterrestrials of some kind and that they related somehow to the star sirius um and this should be setting the antenna of all real like weird heads twitching because sirius is of course at the center of robert anton wilson's uh occult world view as described in the cosmic cycle the cosmic trigger cycle is very prominent in the mythos of one kenneth grant it is uh and so on and uh, in fact this is like because like i i didn't listen to this album until like six years ago that's when i like discovered it but i um listened to i had like a cd of blue oyster cult like the best of blue oyster cult when i was a teenager and i at the same time as this like i did become like fascinated with the star Sirius for some reason. Like I and I have like these like these really distinct memories of sort of like when I was like a teenager and couldn't sleep. I was just staring at my bedroom window at, like three in the morning and just like fixing my gaze on the star Sirius. Um and and because well the thing, you know, our official corporate position as a podcast is that magic is real and that is what and was astrology is cool. Astronomy, <laughs> dare I say no. Astrology is unfortunately cool. Astronomy is actually cool. And underrepresented. And I have the same rise. I have the same sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign as Joan Didion. So there you go. Uh, And Randy (laughs) Newman. I'm straight, so I don't have star signs. (laughs) I'm not straight. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. So. Sorry, I've been workshopping that bit. It's just like in my head, it's like always sounds funny because it's a it's a variation on I'm cis. I don't have pronouns. Yeah. But you're not straight. <laughs> That's cut, so it doesn't. No. Anyway. Yeah, it doesn't work. We need a straight friend to say that to uh, some fucking TikTok witches. Blue Continue, Oyster please. Cult. So for soft doctrines, for soft doctrines, imagine those. Tell the story of okay, a moon child, like a moon child, a, a, a literally an occult, the moon child. A, yeah, and as a, an oh, occultly yeah. manipulated and modified human, uh, created by the invisible by the invisibles, uh, called Imaginos. And over, he's born of the start of the nineteenth century. Uh, over his life, as narrated by the album, he learns to he learns that he is in fact a pawn of the grand magical scheme of the of the invisibles. Uh, and like the, the, their their scheming goes all the way back to Doctor John D, and they gave him like the magic power to destroy the spanish armada um the narrative um to put it mildly kind of meanders and it's very difficult to like 
quite follow and i'm not going to try and like recapitulate the whole thing because it's uh... successful (laughs) but like imagine those imagine those can shape shift and they have a female persona called desdenova uh they also like insert themselves into like european politics and like become a foreign minister for a while and so on and so on and so on and so on like all of this is all all of these are are things okay so why is this late 80s psychedelic prog hard rock album an example of fucked America vibes? So... <laughs> Do we even Well, indeed. Well, yeah. well, indeed. So, okay, what this album is, this is like... This is H.P. Lovecraft via way of Jim Steinman, you know? This is... This is... What? America as the site of the, the labour and manipulation of our cult forces pursuing agendas which are opaque to everyone else this is the america that was always about something else this is the america which was the product of grand conspiracy right um yeah my notes become incredibly digressive at this point uh not that they weren't already indeed i have just put i put this in i think earlier today or maybe like 11 o'clock last night all caps bold just a a bullet point says Peter Lavender and Kenneth Grant and Michael Bertio. Sub bullet: the French named occult entities associated with Haiti with voodoo. Um, th- I think, and I think, yeah. Uh, uh, oh God. Okay, like something in some of Kenneth Grant's stuff and Michael Bertio's stuff. Michael Bertio is a um, is a practitioner of a form of like he calls it gnostic voodoo which is a kind of like a sing and voodoo is of course a syncretic religion and it is it's his personal syncretization of voodoo via like various currents of like western esotericism and various just bricolaged things and like it's a lot of it i think basically what i was just thinking there is let invisibles is french and haitian <laughs> michael bertio's haitian voodoo crap is also kind of french and oh, it's a uh, yeah and Kenneth Grant's in there somewhere and he also wrote inaccurate and racist things about Haitian voodoo and um and HP Lovecraft as well he's he's involved mm. probably and he just saying uh, shit like that Again, just just like uh, once again, this podcast just just tells everybody to just go and read the Dark Lord by Peter Lavender, who and call the Cthulhu. Um, yes. Uh, also, just like um, I don't think we've actually stated this on this podcast, but one of the like Peter Lavender definitely wrote the Simon Necronomicon. He, oh, he really? insists he insists he didn't. He says no. Simon, Simon was just Simon was just a friend of mine. And who who you're not allowed to meet, um, but you know, like it is well, like it was, it's well known, and indeed, like in one like yeah, copyright and in fact, was his boyfriend ra- in Canada, <laughs> <laughs> in one copyright like thing relating to it, like Peter Lavender is listed as the author with the pseudonym Simon, so that like he is though no, he he wrote for Simon Economicon, like he just did anyway, uh, so okay to actually try like bring this back to what like fucked America vibes of some variety or the other. So uh, in, in in the United States of Paranoia, which is one of those other books we just always end up talking about, the Jesse Walker book. What are yeah, the... even though he's a libertarian and a class enemy. Yes, Probably. I, I think know. we're class enemies, to be honest, aren't we? But... Yeah, we're certainly well, I personally am. enemies. <laughs> anyway. Best of enemies. What are, the, what are the facets of conspiracy that he identifies as the benevolent conspiracy? Um, so this is the... 
um, the worldview that that that, that um, contains angelic entities who of some kind who like operate through like a benign, a benign secret band of initiates like rosicrucians or esoteric freemasons and you know they're creating like the rational and enlightened new atlantis the um which will stand opposite the shores of old europe and will be you know the, the shining you know, the shining um, city on the hill the beacon of like liberty and truth against the darkness and superstition of old catholic europe you know like that's it, that kind of thing that kind of thing and like where we like do where where we start to have fun with this obviously is the fact that like it is also just true that like a lot of the founding fathers were freemasons and you know of course masonry yeah. masonry was among other things you know like uh an arena where liberal enlightenment i and deist ideas could you know existed and could be promulgated that is one of the things that masonry was and did influence the ideology at the root of the Declaration of Independence, you know, the, the strange phrase, nature and nature's God, and so on. Um, and but like, you know, that, that is just like, that is where this comes from, arguably. And interestingly, to go back to David Lynch, actually, in the expanded, the Twin Peaks expanded universe, the stuff in the Mark Heel Frost books. Fucking, yeah. In the Mark Frost books and all of that, like one of the themes yeah. there is the, like in the parts of the book, which is the only bit I read actually, is the stuff about the early history of the US. It's this conflict between a benevolent conspiracy in the form of Freemasonry and the malicious one in the form of the, of the Illuminati. So it, uh -huh. this is the kind of, this is, the kind of it's not fucked America is the thing, but this is still weird America. This is really weird America. Mm -hmm. This is like the America of like it is actually all run by Freemasons, but in a good way. This is the uh, America yeah. of the Rosicrucians are real, but they're actually looking after everything. But this is no, like yeah. the idea that like just built into like the institutional fabric of everything, there is initiation you know there is actually you know things are actually aligned in a particular astrological book way boys. you know um this is the america in particular of again and i've mentioned him a few times this year uh of of don webb the horror writer and former high priest of the temple of set and in the his boy and in and, and like this kind of yeah. obsession can I, can I just, yeah can i just quickly flag up like yeah, also Twin Peaks does actually tune into this specifically because a whole bunch of the Black Lodge stuff. Well, there's the Black Lodge versus the White Lodge. That's like the benevolent yes, yes. and malevolent conspiracy. But also like that itself is like derived heavily from Alistair Crowley. So it is all looping back into this thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and yeah. and yeah, and in um in his in his tales in his uh, collection through dark angles, um which again like I, I know I keep talking about it because it just really really struck me when I read it last year is um the the traces of something grand and dark and secret which has always been there in in America and in his story my favorite story for that collection Platinum Hearts and I think I have read read this whole extract out before but I'm going to do so again yeah. it's just this it's our body snatchers episode yeah yeah, yeah. just just line here which I just absolutely love it's um Thomas Jefferson wanted to build a series of signal towers across North America go down down into Mexico to tie into the ancient system there I'm not surprised. Jefferson was a mason. He designed the great seal of the United States, a trapezoidal signal tower. He'd have built them across the entire Louisiana Purchase, up north to Alaska where he could flash messages across to his fellow mason, Zara Alexander. Can't you see those stone frustums signaling each to each in the polar night? And that passage, it just captures everything that I'm trying to express here. What, what if, at root, the United States was simply a project a project of esoteric freemasonry what if 
what if, Lucy? What if? Yeah, America, America really were Atlantis risen? What yeah. if? These are indeed all questions. And yeah. to turn back to the Imaginos narrative around the First World War, is this maybe a subtle condemnation of the cult of American exceptionalism and internationalism and, in, and international ah. interventionism? What yeah, fuck that, you, Woodrow Wilson. What, what if what if America's Atlantean interferences with the world? May, what if they come from a benevolent spirit, but they can only end in calamity? After all, did Atlantis not sink for a reason? And ah. to yeah, and to bring this all around to our favorite subject, fascism. The cult Sorry. of the benevolent yeah. conspiracy is actually like really alive and well because that's what QAnon is. Mm-hmm. Because, because yeah. like, like me, like when it just gets discussed in the media, the focus is on like the you know, the negative conspiracy of in QAnon, you know, the cabal, satanic pedophiles, and all of that. But alongside it, there's this the cosmic brigade of like angelic beings who are sur- who are surrounding God's representative on Earth, Donald J. Trump. You know, that's mm-hmm. so much of it was very much you know of of so much of QAnon stuff is just the idea that oh Trump's got it all figured out. He's part of the counter conspiracy, and the counter conspiracy is just going to sort everything out, and it'll be great because like they're yeah. just yeah um yeah. This is um, a, this is my favorite type of weird signal episode. You know, like where we just like we just got, we just like. St- find our way around to playing the hits uh you know this is like our encore bit <laughs> oh man um yeah. and i've got some bits i wanted to say yeah sorry, go on. i've got let me i have literally one last thing to say but yeah I'm yeah done. uh funness for the side albert bruchard uh yeah. is currently working on in fact doing that whole trilogy of concept albums based on the imagine those um poems uh and he's got two out He's done two of them. Um, Where listened... can we find these? Are they on ba- yeah, Bandcamp Friday's coming up, guys. <laughs> the I've listened to the first one. I've not listened to the second one yet. I will say that they don't have the big bombastic production values. The Jim Steinman of it all, like Jim Steinman was not involved with this. That's why not this, but, but he, well, yeah, but you know, I mean, of the yeah. original. Anyway, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So they don't have that, but they are. It is much more like Blue Oyster Cult, like acoustic and unplugged, um, as it were. But at the same time, that's I'm just quite happy about a thing out there in the world so there you yeah. go uh i'm yeah. finished i'm done you're I'm done. done okay i just wanted to say like you know you know uh last uh not last episode a couple episodes ago when we were talking about exactly this thing and there was that thing about like st- liberal idiot takes on conspiracy culture and that big you know guess guess what the magazine was called who published the big thing about like where are conspiracies today and kept like citing hofstadter um the atlantic huh um yeah i also kind of like can't remember what point of yours this was feeding into but have you read or heard about the the yankee cowboy war uh that it's no. a book uh i'm gonna find the full title it's like because i don't want to get it wrong oh yankee. i think i have heard of this actually wait a minute. yeah they yeah. talk about it a lot on uh subliminal jihad uh conspiracies from dallas to please fucking load uh Come on. Dallas to Watergate. Carl Oglesby. Yeah, thank you. Dallas to Watergate. Yeah, and it's basically... uh, Yeah, they're kind of like dialectic of... um, It's like... It's not just like kind of like Republican versus... You know, (laughs) Republican versus GOP. um, 
it's funny. Uh, but like Republicans versus Democrats, or kind of you know more abstractly right versus left, or liberal versus um, conservative, or whatever. It's like um, two kind of like specific class groupings pinned to specific like particular moments in American history, forming respective power bases from which they kind of both try to like weigh in on like national politics in a kind of back and forth and have like different characteristics and it's like kind of um the the kind of the yankees are the kind of east coast elite the kennedys and such who have a very much kind of like relationship to the old world and a kind of uh, are the more kind of like internationalist branch of it uh whereas the kind of the cowboys are the ones who are have this kind of like principle of a kind of like eternal frontier but a kind of like more kind of defensive posture who are like I mean, this is a massive like boiling down but a more kind of like isolationist and it's like I, I can't remember how this fitted into your thing but it's like that's that's fun both of them could be kind of like interesting kind of to you know weigh up what's a benevolent or malevolent conspiracy in this context but yeah we should read that and then maybe factor it in because because uh, I'm having a lot of fun um I guess kind of what I wanted to say is like a question followed by a statement like uh what's going on with that album cover to imagine us do you know what that is like yes it's, uh, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah look, and do look hotel being undermined by coastal erosion which we yeah, learned so, of in geography so the cover it's a it no longer exists so this building no longer exists it's called the cliff house uh and there is a there have been several structures of that name no in that location exists. well indeed so the yeah so the original is uh so i think actually this was the second one actually was like existed the one on the album cover i think it's just it's sort of i think in the narrative it is maybe meant to be granddad's house in cornwall despite being yeah. in san francisco but it does kind of it does capture it though doesn't it like the this kind of strange j- jutting presence of a piece of decaying like, gothic mysteri- grandeur of a hotel. yeah and also like old Europe just kind of like transplanted into new America, you know, like just, yeah, just like the of, overlook. Like, yes. But, yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful album cover actually, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. so that's what, uh, that's what that that's is. That's what so that is. Cause I, I brought that up because there was something I kind of like, I did, it wasn't even in my notes to omit. It was just like, I realized this looking at the thing afterwards, but like, the Wall of Voodoo album cover for Dark Continent. I think I know what that rock is, because it's a picture of a rock in the desert, but I actually don't know what this rock is, but I've seen it many times, because it's in an episode of Star Trek, and then um, it's in... That same rock was, like, in a scene in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um... In which they also, like, show... But, yeah, I mean, like, in, in the context of that film, they get attacked by their robot doubles. Uh, their Deros doubles, maybe. I can't remember. I watched this film in the 90s. But um, maybe we should return to it. Or maybe I should return to it. But, like, they also showed that episode of Star Trek in the film. So, like, hey, look, it's the same rock. There's a little subtle nod there. Which um, was interesting. But then, uh, yeah, they get thrown off that rock. Uh, but then that same rock appears in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um, which is a really dumb movie, but it's like in the background of the scene where they're trying to sneak the orangutan they've stole, or give it, oh, it's a fucking chimp they stole from a lab, and they claim it's their son, and they make some really bad gay jokes. Um, I should look up what this rock is, but I, I feel like that's going to be one of those things that just like chews up a lot of 
dead air while I fail to find out what this rock is because it's surprising. Yeah, let's not do that. Um... (laughs) But it's also on the cover of this album. That's pretty fucked Americana, right? Yeah. Right? So, anyway... We've so yeah, I don't know how to finish two... this episode, but that was fun. Yeah, we've been talking. I don't really two have much to say about. And yeah, and I'm tired. And it's half past yeah, ten. Yeah, two hours and now. seven minutes. But yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some honourable mentions of like some oh, other. We're like... going to do a real grab bag of things because I'm just going to list. Actually, should, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not talking about anything. I'm listing names. Um, yeah. King Dude is a trumper now, unfortunately, but at the same time, all, all kind of like all of his stuff is also exactly what we mean by fucks America. Um, yeah. So kind of, yeah. yeah, I know. Like he peaks with um songs of flesh and blood and the key of light. I think I think everything from that point onwards is kind of like going downhill. Um, boy harsher, especially careful, Ooh. which is one of my favorite. Again, it's another one of my favorite Shit. albums of all time now. Actually, yeah. that is just that's proper like cold chill America oh, vibes. I'm glad is, we only uh, did two each because we took almost exactly half an hour breaking down into each of them so that's yeah funny. yeah um, um and yeah like and Dave what i was going to, to castle, so, i've not finished no. sorry i've not quite finished sorry, the, yeah. and the last one the last ones and the, this was actually going to be my third album but i just couldn't quite find i couldn't quite find the angle to express it so, but it's um sick uh, dark noontide by six organs of admittance i just wasn't quite sure how to say how that album made me feel but it's a really good album so go listen to that yeah. um I'm done. Okay, let's be done. Yeah, okay. My thing was like basically I wanted I really wanted to do some 60s music, but um uh, one uh I was going through like old, oh, yeah, there's lots of great examples. Like what about the like Nancy Sinatra with that other guy uh whose name I I don't want to look it up, but like yeah, that that song um that song One Velvet Morning, some velvet morning or something, which is really weird. It's got like a tense guy singing about some velvet morning when I'm straight. I'm going to walk on through that gate and like and then it kind of like does this weird jarring alternation between this guy singing in 4/4 four, four, and then Nancy Sinatra singing in like 3/4 or something or 6/8, which I guess is the same thing. Uh, but that's on Moving with Nancy. But then I was like, I don't think I can do that album per se, because it's like the the track before that is like uh, a version of like, who will buy this wonderful morning? That kind of thing, uh, which I think is from a musical or some shit. So yeah, uh, also Laurie Anderson, Big Science, I was going to do, but for the same reason I didn't bring in Devo so much. Uh, same with Nick Cave, I don't care. Uh, Dave Bixby, Ode to Quetzalcoatl, 1969. Uh, there's, well, there's, there's, there's articles written about it. There was basically one song, which is like very, very, would have been perfect. But then I just like, didn't really vibe that much with the rest of the album. Maybe I'm, maybe I need to sit down and listen to it properly. But also I just didn't want to do anything. Didn't want to try and talk about an album that I hadn't already listened to a whole bunch of times, which I think was the case with both. Yeah. All of these are quite are albums we know quite intimately. So that's where that happened. Also, it's like, the 60s, we get weird songs rather than weird albums. I think I already said that with Nancy. Uh, But yeah, so Nancy Sinatra, also famously, most famously indeed, said, these boots are made for walking, which seems a good idea right now because we've been talking loudly for two hours. Yes, and uh, when we record remotely, I'm sat in exactly the same place I sit when I am working from home, which I did do today. So I've been sat in the same little corner of my room for yeah, it like hurts, eight, eight hours. 
I mean, I got up for a while, but now I'm back here again and I do feel kind of like just gross from just like being in the proximity of my own aura for so long. Uh, I'm going to (laughs) go. I'm going to either watch Succession or go outside and just breathe the air for like half an hour or something. Anyway, well, until such a time as when, uh, stay weird. And keep it signal. Good night. This is our station sign off. Bye. I was going to try and say something in Spanish, but I fucking don't know any because I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, All right. And we're stopping recording now.